welcome to the Artist Working, Working Artist Podcast. I'm Pat Hodgson. In this episode, I bring you a good friend of mine, Tyler McMaster. He is a working actor, acting coach, and producer uh, based in Toronto. We talk a lot about the craft of acting and the psychology of acting and share a lot of great anecdotes and stories about the industry. And I hope you enjoy. Patrick. Hello. How are you? Good looking son of a bee. You, know, you, you should talk. Right. We are here uh, outside near Trinity Bellwoods. It's uh, a beautiful day. So that's the noise you hear. I was going to say on my porch, but now I'm giving my location away to all of your fans. That's okay. Welcome to my porch. Welcome to your porch. It's, it's a great place. We're drinking some, what is this? This is a, this is a burdock blend. It's a beer and D-stem Syrah skin aged hybrid. It's like wine and beer combo. It's goddamn lovely on this porch. Mm. Birds are chirping. Have a sip. What do you it's think? Delicious. It's delicious. It's delicious. I think that you're a wine expert and a, and a quite quite the cook. You're, a, I would say, you're a, a master chef in some regards. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah, but uh, let's. Um, how did we meet? We met doing that short film, uh, Driving Ian. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that how we met? Yes. So uh, let's go back to that point. So where were you? Uh, you're a working actor in the city, mm-hmm. and so when we when we did that short, uh, where were you at? How would you describe your career at that point? Yeah, I mean. I'd moved to Toronto from Vancouver maybe about eight, eight, nine years ago. I, I mean, I probably came out for a year and nine years later, I'm, I'm still here. Um, but I'd say I was still relatively fresh in, in the business flow of, of things. The reason why I was on that is because I'd met a mutual friend, Altair, in an acting class. And um, we became collaborators and, and, and buddies. I helped produce that film which is uh, where we got to meet. But I was, I was relatively fresh, um, auditioning a little bit, but I'd say just kind of starting out. I, I had uh, like a slow roll into the whole business side of things based on a slew of, you know, trickle, trickle down events, I guess we'll probably get into. But, um, but yeah, that was, a, that was a fun time. I guess in like pre, during, post, I just remember it being a, a, like a fantastic and fun experience with a ton of energy. Um, we shot a bit of it right around this corner in my alley right here. Yep. Um, but yeah, from there, that just stemmed, I guess, a bunch of collaborations with you and I. But let's, before we go there, uh, talk to me about, uh, you moved from Vancouver. So you, you're born and raised in Vancouver. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, like, sorry, a suburb, but sorry, okay. I moved from Vancouver. I was there. Uh, I lived in Vancouver for about seven years before I moved out here. And what prompted you to say to pick up and, and go to Toronto? Yeah, man, I think uh, just a shift and a change. I was with my girlfriend at the time. We both um, wanted a big shift. I think we, we may have both been a little stagnant in our, our direction and needed a shakeup. And uh, just kind of a clean slate to reevaluate like, what was important in, in our lives and think uh, our circles and, and community weren't where we wanted it and needed it to be. Um, I was doing restaurant work primarily five, six days a week, not doing enough of what I loved and didn't have enough time to actually explore what I loved, um, what I knew I loved and explore other things and potential things, which I always think is important. So we, uh, yeah, packed up into my sweet white Pontiac Sunfire and, and, and drove through the states. Yeah, nice. we we went south to Seattle and then drove across through the Dakotas and 
Montana, hit Mount Rushmore uh, with a jam-packed car, big screen TV in the back <laughs> that we put into our shitty hotel every night when we needed to stop. But it was, it was amazing. It was probably like, she's still a really good friend at this point. Um, but it was one of the best parts of a relationship because there was nothing behind us. Um, all that was ahead of us was just like uh, hope and a, you know, a partnership and excitement and, and this leap that we, we took together. Um, and yeah, that to me is just driving across Mon- Montana, her, her sleep, sun going down, everything's red, hills, and just pure satisfaction with no expectation. Mm. And at that point, what was it um, that really made cemented your love for acting? Was there, was there something that happened in your life that you were like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm willing to sacrifice for. This is what I'm willing to, to put my heart and soul into. Yeah, it's a, I think a multifaceted question. I think at the beginning of my life, I was uh, um, incredibly quiet and insecure. So this goes back to like high school where I think having an outlet kind of changed my life and um, kind of pulled back the veil of fear and hiding and all that. And it was a place to, you know, uh, express. Um, so there was that element, which I don't think is, uh, um, viable in like the long term. It was beautiful and fun. And I met a lot of people and that kind of started this, uh, this love of it, but yeah, doing things for that reason can only get you so far, I think. Um, and I probably had years of maybe a little success and being afraid of that. Um, or afraid of positive feedback from a teacher because then I, you know, really have to do something or maybe I have to do it again. So I had no um, real plan or actual, I think, true passion for it at the beginning. And that came with, that came over time with these glimmers of, uh, of, of truth and creating my own work and through a couple really inspiring, I guess, for me, game-changing teachers as well that uh, I started to excavate the the um the bricks of like ego and idea of what acting and and this art form is uh, and i'm still i'm still 100% working on that and i go through ebbs and of flows of uh, i guess creative flow if you will and um but now it's like i can uh, for a long time i can easily say like uh, i don't need a an end game or an idea i want to be able to wor- be working all the time with um beautiful artists and on, on great work, but, um, I'd be happy doing it, you know, <laughs> anywhere in a, a very small forum or all that. You've been on stage, right? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. you put on a show at the, I think the Red Castle yeah. theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to, you know, talk about that a bit. And also I feel like I'm not an actor, FYI. I'm a filmmaker, so I, I just sit in awe of actors and what they're able to do. I think it was on uh, our short film, The Last Day, uh, which we shot, so it feels like so many years ago, but I feel like it was a, like our little, our little hit short film that everyone seemed to love and festivals loved it. And that was sort of your brainchild that we just kind of made with no crew. And After money. inspired by uh, the breakup from the girl I moved here with. Oh. Yeah. Amazing. That's a great segue. It was the moment, the, the scene in the park when you guys part ways. I mean, I'll put a link in the whatever description uh, so you can check it out. 
uh, there's a scene at the end of the film where you just you're able to just like summon up an emotional response and you know there's there's tears and stuff and it's like moments like that i realize you know like the the, the craft of acting is just it's not easy I mean, that guy like me, I'm like, I want to act. I want to be in some scenes and stuff. It's like cute to say that, but mm-hmm. like really having that like emotional training to just summon up some emotions like that. Mm. I feel like, I mean, for someone who's not an actor seems extremely difficult, extremely difficult. Mm. You know, is that, is that just pure training? Is that pure training? And, and how does that relate to like stage work? Cause I, I want to come back to the stage. Thing. <clears throat> I think, I think yeah, yes and no regarding, regarding training. I'm uh I've always been an incredibly sensitive and emotional person. And as I grew up, I created a wall of defense uh, regarding that, like sensitivity and emotion. So that was hard to kind of get back once I created that wall. And a teacher, Matthew Harrison from Vancouver, he would do a bunch of uh, workshops here. One of the things he said was that, you know, uh, amongst other things, his job was kind of not to teach you to act, but to teach you to like um, unact and be truthful. And that's what I think a lot of uh, emotion is. I think it's just kind of getting out your own way because I, I truly believe that everybody has everything they need in them at, at all times. We're all like living here, breathing, um, crying, emotional, messy human beings. Uh, so you right now, you have like this, you know, powerful magnetic force and everything in you to shift. Like if something happens on a dime. Um, and I think with with certain things it's just trusting that things are there i've tried you know i've tried to replicate certain emotion or um i guess be be fearful of not and then definitely nothing's going to be nothing's going to happen if you do that so i think it's with the training comes uh i guess just trust to get out of your way that it's there and it's okay and then you know there's the te- technical aspect if if something's not coming then hopefully um a different type of training or something else in your, your repertoire toolbox can be used. Sometimes it's like, maybe it's the Joey Tribbiani. You just pluck a little thigh hair and you're going to do that. <laughs> but sometimes for me, it's just like uh, trust in music. Sometimes I'll, sometimes it's a, a memory. For that, I, I do remember loving that experience so incredibly much. Which one? They're like doing the last day. The so last you're talking day, yeah. about, I think that was the last, maybe the last shot. That, that we, was the last because I think we shot that film more or less in sequence. I mean, the film yeah. is kind of a non-linear film, but we tried to like basically sequentially. We shoot wanted the thing. a sun like a, a a sunrise. Nobody there, so we all got up at like four in the morning. Oh, yeah. And I, I loved the experience. It was so fluid. There was like four of us. Do you think that it was so early in the morning helped like helps with your emotional? No, ability? no. I think the whole thing was just everybody was so incredibly committed, mm-hmm. and. Um, there was no ego. It was such a collab, collaborative, beautiful experience that truthfully, I felt so like um, just blissful in the experience and I could feel it leaving mm. and I could feel it ending. And I was just really emotional and sad. I, I, I used to have that when I was younger, where I'd go on like a, a weekend trip with anybody. And uh, I, anytime I'd come home, I would have this like, I'd feel like this hole in my chest. I'd be sad for three days. I didn't know what it was. I thought I was, there was something wrong with me. But I had that experience after we shot that. I needed, uh, I needed a couple of days of come down. And we've talked about that um, uh, a, a, a lot in terms of uh, how organic and easy it was. And, and it like, luckily resonated with a lot of people, which was super lovely. The feedback, um, our mutual friend Terrace brought it up the other day. He was talking to... Uh, um, somebody, I guess, 
introducing me. And he'd mentioned that was like his favorite short film of all time, hmm. which is just really lovely to hear if you can touch one person or That's a couple a people. That's a compliment for us, for sure. Yeah. Feels, that feels good. For sure. And that was, our, that was our baby. And we sat in the editing room and it was just, for, every part of that weeks. was really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Daly was the one who I think kind of uh, lit a fire under my eyes to make that because hmm. we'd read it together. Um, and, uh, he spearheaded like our first table read, which is at your old studio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you jumped on board right away and we're like, let's get Chloe. Did we do a table read? We did at your studio. We wow. did a little read. Yeah. Yeah. It's going back. And, yeah. And he'd organize the actors and yeah. he read for my character and I'm like, no, he was right. way too handsome for, <laughs> for the, for my role. So <laughs> <laughs> needed someone more gritty. <laughs> yes. Bigger chin. <laughs> so do you think that emotional people... Uh, make good actors? I don't necessarily think emotional people. I think, um, I think open people mm. and, um, and I, maybe that was a unintelligent question. No, no, I, no, that. it makes sense. Uh, absolutely. I completely understand it. I think open people and, um, I want to say like without ego, but I know, um, There's I so could, much ego. I could probably have like even I could like now I could probably use more ego in the business side of things because sometimes like insecurity and fear will you know keep me away from certain things. Whereas some ego has brought opportunities. But I think great actors and and that work is simply just openness and with the with without ego because I think I don't know, emotion can be portrayed in a million different ways. It's not even really about, you know, lashing out or like crying. <laughs> I think sometimes that's, w- that's way easier than, you know, uh, expressing bliss and comfort and calm. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, big time. Mm. I'm crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying because this, uh, Revel cider is so, looks so delicious. I'm going to crack that right in the mic. Ooh, it's like um, crispy. Crispy, crispy. Can you talk a bit no, about you the- should, uh, they haven't sponsored that. So yeah, Revel, yeah. Revel Cider Co. Yeah. If they sponsor want, this episode. If they want their name in there, yeah, instead of a beep, <laughs> <laughs> call every cider company, and whoever wants to uh, sponsor it, you can just dub in exactly. the name of it. <laughs> can you talk a bit about um, uh, your stage experiences, and uh, specifically that show at the uh, Red Castle Theater, and um, you know how? Just reflect on that as an actor and performer. Hmm. I mean, in Surrey, in a suburb in BC, I, I started doing community theater when I was 17. So I, a lot of it was uh, in Vancouver and White Rock by the beach. I did three plays at, at White Rock Community Playhouse. And um, it, I think that, that just uh, illuminated like uh, just a love for collaboration and the team aspect. And I was just trying to take it in, shut up and learn and not like not screw up at, at some points didn't really have much uh, of a, a technique or, or craft, but I'm just trying to be truthful in the moment, which I think like comes full circle. That's all we need to do is get out of our way and, and keep things simple. Um, but uh, I did then I did a, a lot of like experimental plays with this, this company called Spectral Theater in Vancouver, which again, I just loved the brothers who made it. And it was like, they'd write their own stuff. And uh, like, I, I remember one play, I was this peasant getting, sacrificed by some demon and I had my friends front row with like a water bottle of fake blood underneath my arm so when the demon stabbed me I could like 
hurl my soul into the air with a guz, like a geyser of, of blood. And then I'd, I'd always make sure I had to bring like a four liter jug of warm water backstage so I could go outside in winter and like kind of give myself a four liter milk jug of shower of like um, rinse off this sticky, fake, weird molasses blood. <laughs> so, but I had a bunch of those. I remember working in a restaurant and uh, I had won as like part of this restaurant group, a trip to Napa Valley and Disneyland and wine country with like one other person from each of the restaurants. And I'd committed to play this boxer fighting a robot from this company. And the guy's like, I wrote you this thing. And I'm like, definitely not getting paid. I'm taking three weeks off work. And I'm like, fuck, what? It was a bit of a moral dilemma. But for some reason, I'm like, an actor is like, he commits. And somebody wrote this thing for me. I'm going to skip Napa Valley and I'm going to fight this damn robot. And it was really just silly, but so lovely. And I... I think I kind of wish I went to Napa, but <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were talking about wide earlier. I'm like, God damn it. It was a fun process, but I met, I met some cool people. We did like 12 angry men there and I, I'm still good buddies with the guy from there with that, uh, uh, Derek who like, if we ever do shoot this, this little adaptation of breath, a little like mini micro film we made, um, on blink twice, film yeah, which, yeah, which we're getting to. Yeah. And then he, he'll be an integral part of that. But yeah, going back to, um, Red Sandcastle and Rabbit Hole, which have such a such a beautifully fond memory of of doing this play. And again, I was um, I'd met Courtney Dillon, who's a yeah, Courtney. Great, great actor and producer. I'd met her at um, a workshop with uh, Actors Foundry, and we were training. It might have been my first day training at uh, Raw Acting Studio, and we we did a scene from Rabbit Hole. And uh, she's always been a champion of of me and tons of artists. She's one of those people that really um, pushes for you and champions you, and she'll bring you to readings and all that. And she'd said she wanted to do the play. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 well, yeah, for sure we'll do the play. Definitely, definitely. And then uh, go to the village. It was called The Village Idiot, <laughs> where everybody went after class and had a, had a beer and I thought nothing of it. And a year and a half later, she's like, okay, we got the dates. We're doing the play. I'm like, oh, well, fuck, we got to do the play then. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Now it's real. All right. Again, it's like a really emotional play about grief. And I'm like, I don't, for one, do I want to do that for, we did three, we did a three week run. I like, it's again, smaller, like indie theater. I'm like, do I want to do that for three weeks? And then the second thought is like, well, can I do that for three weeks? I'm like, fear kicked in and I'm like, there's something, there's, there's no way. Um, but again, the cast and crew, like we had pre-production things and, you know, people are all living their lives trying to like be, you know, um, make money to, to live while creating art and passion projects and all that. And she went to town with producing this and had her partner who, uh, co-produced and, um, we just all became a, a family and yeah, I think we, we all kind of took the leap leave together. And so was your role like a really emotional role? Like you were Yeah, her and I played uh parents who had lost their child and they're dealing with that in different different uh, different ways. And I know we'd we'd went to um like an, a grief counseling session with other parents who'd who'd uh lost lost their their children. And that was 
really, um, I don't know, it felt like there was a, we had to do it right. Kind of like we were going to invite a bunch of people from this, this center. And uh, I met some people that seemed pretty skeptical and ended up like one, one, one lady who I knew she was kind of like, she was not trusting us. She didn't want to like share too much in this group when we're talking about, you know, actors coming in and trying to, I guess, exploit their true life experiences. Mm-hmm. And she ended up coming back twice. And the thing that stuck, stuck with me in that is she had stopped me the second time. And she's like, I wanted to bring my ex-husband and they had lost a child. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted to, um, I guess, have him see that like it, it was okay to be a man and be um, vulnerable and sad and emotional and freak. Like, I don't know, have, have a different experience. And it opened her eyes to what I guess other people in the play um, would be uh, experiencing. Cause like, it's very easy to get caught up in um, the tunnel that is your world and emotion and mentality. In terms of, uh, I guess what I would say doing it every, every night, every night mm-hmm. felt completely different. And I mean, I, I like making it kind of a uh, different for the other actors. I, w- I always think that, you know, if you're trying to change things up for yourself, then it's kind of, you're doing it for you and it's most likely going to come across as a, a little bit, uh, staged, no pun intended. But, um, if <laughs> my goal every night was to mix it up from my, you know, my sister in the play, my, my wife, my stepmother. And with that, it would change like some dynamics. I'm sure they did that with me all the time. And it really just throws you on, on guard. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm activated. I'm here with this, this sure we've rehearsed this or we've done this a hundred times. This is new. I'm, I'm alive and I'm, I'm here. And so you hear about people on Broadway. I've never done a a long running, like two year show, but Mm -hmm. I could understand how you could do it and make it make it real and different. I'd love to do something like that uh, one day. It may be, you may be think about uh, just to backtrack a little bit uh, that you're in this, like you're in like a counseling session, right? For, mm-hmm. for parents who have lost a child. And it must seem to them in that moment that it's a little bit disrespectful or something that because you're two people that are coming in, not having that experience. But then that is like kind of the thing about being an artist is that you can go to that and then take that and put on a beautiful piece of work that other people can go to and like really be transformed by it. So I think, you know, that's just an interesting perspective mm-hmm. that immediately it, it doesn't seem right somehow, but the, you know, the job of an artist really, I think our, our job is just to take this mess of life and the, the experience and kind of like put it into some story that we can all connect to and, <clears throat> and feel something together with. Yeah. Try to, try to capture, um, those little, idiosyncratic like moments maybe that's the wrong word but like no, a little no. slice of truth that's that's relatable and <clears throat> um i like watching things that make me feel something totally. I, and it doesn't matter like we have enough we talked about this before about you know in the cell phone world and the social media world like that's mostly distracting but you give me anything and, and it can be it can make me feel mad make me feel sad hopefully it makes me feel happy or like lighthearted or like you know inspired but to see something that makes you feel, I think is um, really, really powerful or to relate. And maybe, maybe that makes, you know, something a little, little more okay, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Yeah. 
<clears throat> you're talking about doing the play and, and how you like, you know, change it up just a little bit just to kind of keep you on your toes. So how does that connect with, you know, working on film where, um, you know, there's that great, um, part you did in, was it flat flashpoint? Maybe Killjoys. Killjoys. Like the guy with like the gun to his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't want to get taken away. Did you have a lot of takes doing that? I mean, like, how do you bridge that gap between the theater experiences, which is like, as an actor, you're, you know, you're doing it, you know, sometimes multiple shows a day and you got to bring this emotion and you got to, you know, find ways to change it up to keep you on your toes. And you just have like, it, it probably seems like you have an endless amount of opportunities ahead of you to do something oh, great. Yeah. Whereas in film, you're like, everyone's looking at you and you've got three takes and you're running out of time and okay, do it. You know, how, just, where's that, how does that, how do you make those things work together as an actor? I remember in the audition room, I did it and uh, it's like a pretty, pretty intense thing. Uh, and I did my first take, the director and producer was in the audition room. And I remember the producer being like, all right, let's go batshit crazy. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I take like a second to, um, taking his note, which is, you know, it's very easy not to do when you're in a stressful, be good environment. I'm like, okay, let's take it in. And for some reason, uh, like Mel Gibson and lethal weapon came to my mind when he's like on the roof and I'm like, all right, we're going to jump. We're going to eat this onion. We're going to jump. That's all I think about when I think of lethal weapon, he eats raw onions and he jumps off a thing. I'm like, so I like started this thing where I turn around and I got this like bait gun and I went like kind of, you know, batshit crazy. And uh, I remember the casting director being like, oh, I do want him to do it again. And the producer, I forget, the producer or the director, like a shit-eating grin on his face, like, nope, that's good. So I'm like, oh, cool. They they liked it. I'm like, great. This uh, was in the audition room. Yeah, that's in the audition room. I ended up booking it. I get to set, and it was a, it was a really big scene where um, Aaron and the other leads, they come in, they go to the bar. There's a massive fight with uh, Hannah. It's a massive fight. Um, and then like they stop and they're there tracking me and I'm sitting in the corner drinking, being all, I think cool, probably not. <laughs> so it's like the whole scene is like six minutes and they get to me. So they, it was, it was really cool that we got to go in, sit down and, uh, everybody gets in place. They're working out a bunch of gear and, you know, stunt performers in a fight scene. Then they get to me and this is still rehearsal, which is great. You got, we got to rehearse. And I go like, oh, that shit crazy. And I'm like, this is what you liked. I'm going to do it again. And then the AD comes up and he's like, wow, what's, what are you doing? I'm like, that's not, it's not the tone. That's not what we're, what we're going for. So maybe not like that. He was, I'm sure he was super nice, but it was completely shot down. So I'm like, oh, fuck. I so you had no direction at all going in. No, you just I, showed up. And yeah. I'm like, well, I have nothing to go on except wow. for my audition. So I better like. I mean, I'll, that feels the right, like the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it wasn't. So I had to quickly reevaluate and, uh, and it, it got to a place where I'm like, okay, this is, let's, you know, um, let's vibe it out and see what it is. And, um, I, you know, I trusted that someone was there and ended up being pretty, pretty cool. And it was a fun fun little scene and experience and the cast was great like we did a couple reads as we were wait, waiting um and i'm just trying to stay out of the way and be quiet but everybody went up and made sure we all ran our scene together and um we in that in that scene i was kind of like uh i was super excited to have this harness and tube out from the back of my head that would like splatter guts and brains as i like slide down the wall and we'd rehearse this and I was working with a stunt 
coordinator to do this. We did like worked on it for like an hour. And then we ended up running out of time come like the actual shoot. So it's just me blasting myself in the old noggin, uh, just cuts away cuts to the away, two lead. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, I wanted that good kill scene. So that's, I mean, that's an interesting world of, um, of acting, right? Like you think of most people who aren't actors or don't work in film, you think that like every actor is on set with the director. Oh like, yeah. The yeah. reality is like you didn't even speak to the director of the episode. No. Like the a- he sent in the AD to talk to you. Oh, for sure. He's got a, he's like the, the maestro of a massive orchestra and has right. multiple people, you know, moving the puzzle pieces. Right, right. So that's just, I mean, that's just an interesting like world that probably not many people think of, you know, it's like, yeah, you came in, you, you went off of a performance that you booked the role on and then you do it and they're like, this is completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, okay, like, well maybe you should have told me that. Like, like nobody's telling you anything. No. It's like, just show up I feel like and you book the role. In that point, I mean, if I'm going to, think of all that shit I'll get overwhelmed and I'll yeah. start like you know so I'm like alright I just try to like simplify because I'll get you know we'll get nervous we'll start I don't want that to take over so I just try to really simplify and then uh, make a decision that feels truthful and then commit to it and and then we'll just do that and if it doesn't work then we'll do it again and if they say it. moving on then you, well, I guess yeah. you, you did it but it ended, up, it ended up being pretty good so it's season 2 episode 2 of Killjoys you want to check that out it's a great little part mm-hmm. great uh gr- cool show amazing cast everybody was super nice and uh inviting and inclusive um before we we move on to um what you've been up to in the past couple of years uh i was curious about you know auditioning and uh, you know i hear from a lot of actors that like commercial auditions are just like the worst of the worst experience as an actor mm-hmm. like you just feel like a piece of shit basically um so is that true for you and touch on auditioning now and like COVID times is like, I'm assuming it's all self tapes and whatever and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for commercials, I think it's great that we can do them in our, uh, <laughs> in our homes. I think you have free reign as well. You can, you can kind of just go back screen or you can get a little, uh, you can take creative liberties for it and get a little fancy, add some music. I mean, I've, I've had some fun with a couple commercial auditions lately. Um, but yeah, I could see why, like, you know, there's not a ton of love for, you know, <laughs> trekking across the city. You're like, ah, $10 cab here, $15 Uber here, going back, back and forth to be like in a group of six people showing your hands, talking about like your breakfast and like, you know, it's all based on the cardigan you wore. Like, it's easy to take the route of just shitting on it and hating it. But I mean... Like you, I don't know. You book something. You're like, it's pretty. It's it's it e- worth it. it's easy. You you get a couple bucks in your pocket. There's yep. there's way worse things you can do. Usually you're gonna, you know, everybody's trying to do a good job. You run into a bunch of actors. So you get to see them all like trudging through the same thing. Um, so I don't I don't I don't dis I don't have a disdain for them. I'm I'm fine with them. I'm also like not really going out for much anymore, commercial wise. So it's okay. <laughs> I like hearing the the auditioning stories from actors. I've had some cool ones. Like, I, I didn't book it, but I was on hold for it, um, which that's all right if you're like, um, you know, in the top three and there's a scene 100 people. But I remember doing this like McDonald's one for like vanilla lattes. And I do, I do this thing and I was about to leave and the director asked the casting to get me back in. He's like, right, can you do like uh, 
the same thing, but you're Jason Statham from the transporter ordering a French vanilla latte. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, that shit is great. That is fun. So I kind of like that broke up the mold. That was uh that was kind of fun. I've been in audition rooms with friends where I'm just like taking a video of them looking at a fake glass like panel, like saying, Oh, I love these cold cuts. It's like it's really sometimes stupid, but we're it's part of the world. It's 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 fun. I was thinking of we were talking about COVID times. Remember, this could not exist anymore. When I was um, first starting out, one of my first commercial auditions was for Dentine Ice. Mm-hmm. We did go in and it was like, uh, you had to kiss, you had to kiss um, the other actor in the, in the room, which is like one, it was a female and there was three guys coming in to like, uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, which is like appalling to me now. It's something like I look back and I was like, you know, fucking scared young actor being like, well, this is industry. This is what it should be. And now I'd be like, absolutely shut it down. Mm. I'd be like, this is not necessary. So they made like male actors line up and kiss yes. the main. Yes. And she was just like taking it when I come in. It and- seemed, but this is from my point of view. So yeah. like take that as you will, but it seemed like it was um, okay and comfortable, mm. but who knows what the hell is going on under the surface. Now I'd be like, there's absolutely no chance this person is going to go through that. Mm. I would not like allow it or be part of that. Um, but yeah, uh, just, uh, I've danced, do I've done like diaper dances and things. I've been in, I've been in with like got brought in to be Australian dad for something with a kid and oh. with a, like a, a little toddler, and she immediately just started like crying. I uh, I, I consider myself. You have a you have a baby. Mm-hmm. I, I love kids, mm-hmm. and it's same with like kids and and truthful like energy that's just unadulterated and it's just pure i really want that affection back so i because <laughs> i just think it's lovely and the, like being in a relation room with a with a with a child who just looks at you and starts freaking out and crying and i'll just look to the cast and i'm like well we're we're probably done here right <laughs> i'm just gonna go um i'm not gonna be australian dad for your diaper commercial Tell me where Blink Twice films came from. And I know, you know, you guys, you know, a bunch of you organized and I was sort of a part of that uh, for a little bit. And uh, you organized and you like amassed a pretty large following on Instagram in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that you were kind of at the, you know, the top end of that. Uh, so maybe talk about that. And I mean, obviously you can check them out on Instagram, of course. <clears throat> uh, but uh, tell me where that came from and, you know, wh- what you did and your takeaways and where you think it's headed. I mean, it all started with... Um, I guess a group of uh, actors, directors, and writers that wanted to do some things on their their terms. Back in the day, to get work, it seemed unattainable. And like when you're starting out, you need like whatever audition work, or like you hit the paper. Now this is like everybody can make their own things now. You, you can shoot on your phone. Sure. But we had a group of us who were writers, directors, uh, shooters. And, you know, we're, we're all like working a bit, uh, auditioning and, and shooting some things. And it probably started with doing a little road trip, like that, ro- that road trip we, we took up to Mosquito Lane. We were going to try to hit a beach and it ended up just being mud and mosquitoes and right. like rain and all that. <laughs> but we, we, we shot a, a fun little thing and it wasn't really about, you know, the, uh, the perfect beach experience. We, we were, uh, friends just making the best of something that was hilarious by the way <clears throat> it was it was it was i think we had like <laughs> we got there and it was sort of raining but sort of not yeah you and i jumped in the water and we're like and we're, uh, yeah 
And uh, we decided to take a shortcut somewhere. And we ended up in like this marsh just being mauled by mosquitoes. Aggressive. Just like aggressively being attacked. Mosquitoes by, like, the size of bald eagles. Yeah. I think, I think shortly after that, um, I was sitting uh, in our basement with um, Altair. And we started riffing on um, concepts and ideas and platforms just to make things with low stakes but high quality and and have a voice and also be inclusive and um, I'm I like again I talked about like ego and the business side of it and and that kind of being um, not easy for me I wanted to I think we all wanted a, a way to network in an organic way and that's with like creation and having something not just being like um, you know having your hat out. So we talked about that and uh, our other roommate, uh, Daly, popped down at the time and he'd always been a champion of me. He was a champion of um, uh, the, the last day. And we ended up staying up to like three in the morning, riffing on ideas and concepts. And I had a couple ideas for certain things. And uh, um, we brought Terrace on board. He's an amazing, amazing shooter and actor and, you know, writer himself. And... Yeah, we had a couple little meetings, and we decided just to, to jump in, jump into one. Um, one called Play was the the first one. It was just like four of us hitting downtown. We uh, went to went to work on a couple little scripts, and again, like the platform is all the idea was one minute short films on Instagram. Anybody could see. Um, it started off in Toronto, but we had you know followers from all over the world, and we didn't promote it uh, too much. Uh, looking back, I would have been. I probably promote it a little differently or mm. try to monetize it a little bit with, you know, um, uh, donation if, if people wanted to, just so we could keep it going and, you know, branch out and pay more artists and people because we're all doing it on our own buck and for free. But it was, it became something like really, um, uh, I guess, um, fulfilling. Um, for all of us in one way or another. And it, it kind of, uh, we all got inspired to be able to tell a story and come together and make something when on our terms, like when we wanted to and be mm-hmm. a concept or like, you know, somebody's a dream of something, <laughs> we could turn it into something and make it happen and turn it over right away. Um, and so I ran, I ran the page and some of the, we take turns uh, doing some of the, some of the marketing. I think we, we ended up with like 20 and the plan, we put a couple on IGTV and our plan was to maybe expand them and, um, turn some into uh, longer formats, um, but various you know life happenings kind of ve- veered us off the path a little bit, and we, it, it's something we have, and it could we could um, revisit. We have a couple, a ton of ideas to to revamp it and relaunch it, and if we do, I think I'd like to open it up to more people um, to use as a platform for. Um, sharing their work and communicating and all that. But um, I love that. And it was. Uh, um, I think the, the last one on there is, is, was it stalled? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just a ridiculous. Might as well like. It's actually, you know, it makes me laugh every time. that It's the one that I did with. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the last one on our page right now. Yeah. So there um, you go. <laughs> and uh, underneath is a tribute. Like it's. Uh, um, yeah. It's a daily. Yeah. So that we. Uh, daily, uh, well, it was your roommate mm-hmm. for a year, maybe a little longer, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And he sadly passed away last year, right? In 2020. Yes. Uh, about a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Yeah. 
he, he dodged uh, he dodged COVID. <laughs> yeah. He didn't. Um, he didn't get to experience the COVID world. He would have a laugh at yeah uh, the corona. The, the corona. corona. Yeah, but uh, I think that was um, he was um, obviously a massive part of that and a champion of like always so inspiring for anything and such a you know on his Facebook page he had Tyler's talented friends. Um, his name was Tyler. Uh, Tyler as well. His middle name was Daly. He went by Daly eventually, but he had Tyler's talented friends and he'd always like. Um, whether they were a musician or an artist or a painter or anything, he would r randomly just big up other people and showcase them. And he was always such a champion of that and um, was a champion of Blink. And I think, you know, that was, it was hard to kind of go on as well uh, when, that, when that happened. We uh, yeah, needed, needed a break. I think everybody needed a break. So we might revisit it and it might be something kind of casual or we'll expand it or, or maybe it's just run a course. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but there it lives. It lives in the on the interwebs. Yeah, but again, forever. like a, a lovely time and um, empowering for all of us. I think to to know that we can make our own own stuff. Mm -hmm. Totally, I feel that. Mm -hmm. So where are you? Uh, where are you at now? What's going on with you now? You're writing. You're writing a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm writing a few things. I I'm in the I guess process of of working on another feature. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I guess beginning of the pandemic, I, I'm like that, that cliche where I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing like the, the handstand, put your shirt on like Tom Holland and do all those things. I'm going to make sourdough bread. I'm going to do woodworking and like write something. I got really excited and then it kind of wavered off and, <laughs> and I lost, lost my, my mojo and did dick all for a while. But, um, during that time I collaborated with, uh, uh, Trish Raynone. And uh, of 180 Sisterhood Productions, and we worked on Daily's uh, feature. Or uh, we we wrote a concept he'd wanted us to write, and we spent about four months working on that feature. And now um, we're hoping to get funding and, and shoot that in the next couple of years. This definitely needs to happen for me. I'm super passionate about it, and doing that. And I'd like we're tr uh, trying to write another one, another like low key, easy to make. Um, again, just like make a, make a feature. We have a, we have a story, we have a, we have a concept, we have got the, uh, the bones ready to go and need to hash that out and, and work on that. I feel like that's where it's at in feature land. Just like get these films that are, you know, easy to make, aren't these like huge budget productions Yeah, because money is much less. There's much less money well, floating be, around for, especially Canadian independent cinema. I think I mean, because just, we can, I mean, yeah, exactly. There's, can there, there, uh, it's, I, hard to get out of old mindsets, which uh, like puts you in different categories of like, well, I got to be here. I got to do this or achieve this so I can make my own stuff or do something. And I don't think that is like, that's the case anymore. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And we're of the age, I guess, when we maybe developed those bad, you know, habits, I mean, I'm, you're, you're a doer, you, you have an idea and you make it happen, but maybe, so maybe I'm just talking, talking for myself, but, um, I think it comes to a point where just make your own stuff and the other stuff will come as a byproduct. Worst case scenario, you're like writing and collaborating, you're making something, you're trying to tell a story and, and affect somebody or change. So that's the goal. But to be, to be honest, I mean, I'm probably like, probably took a, a, a break from thinking about the business and acting and, and writing and all that. And with that comes like, it's like a trickle effect of losing some confidence and, and trust in that. Um, 
So I'm excited to jump back into, you know, collaboration. I miss big time, like acting mm. with people and working with people uh, I care about on a story we care about. Um, but I definitely got into a bit of a, a pattern um, of, of, you know, turtling a little bit, hermiting a, a, a touch. And I'm uh, rising from that, that um, hibernation a little bit. Yeah, make it um, sound like there was a, some kind of global pandemic or something. What? Jeez. What? what? How dare you hermit away? No, I was just watching Netflix for <laughs> a year and a half. What are you talking about? A, a Dog Who Cried Wolf. So that was a film that's online to watch right now. And you, yes. you were like, you worked your ass off on that film. I remember that our mutual friend Logan uh, co-directed it uh, with Matt Bendo, right? Yes. And I, I, I've heard, you know, some little stories here and there, but it seemed like that was a hell of a lot of work. Can you, can you do, go into uh, maybe, because you're, you know, I've, I think you're a pretty great producer and you work your ass off on, on projects. Can yeah. You maybe touch on that since it's a, something that listeners can literally go watch. Yeah, man. Well, I met Logan. I think we'd done, I, I met him once on a commercial and then once, I think, on set of Murdoch Mysteries. And he's in, uh, in art direction and uh, jack of all trades. And he'd written this thing and he was co-directing this, this thing. So we went out for a beer after one of the times I met him on set and he was looking for a producer and I had a couple ideas of people and think after like beer two or three i'm like i'll fucking i'll produce that well i'll just i'll just produce it man no problem <laughs> so, a beer fuel decision yeah yeah I'm like let's <laughs> there just, are many in this industry let's just do it yeah. um and i was excited about it i love the idea i love the script and um truthfully there was a lot of unknowns that i was jumping into um which was which was great just being thrown into the fire um but we had an amazing crew ben was an incredible a cinematographer. It's shot beautifully. We had a great cast um, of a, a a fun little cameo, um, yep. couple, <laughs> uh, some some fun little clips. Um, and it picked up a seg uh, side note. It picked up a nomination for best cinematography. No, uh, the, or it won. It won for the, a Canadian the CSC screen. awards. Yeah, yeah, amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, um, which is which is great. And yeah, if you watch it, it's on my. Um, my Instagram as well under under my link, but you can find it on uh, Vimeo, I believe. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, link to it. Yeah, yeah, sure. a dog cried wolf. But yeah, so was, what was the, what was the craziest thing that happened on that on that set? Daly and I uh, produced it together. I, that after the two beers, I went back and I talked to Daly. I'm like, we have this. We'd always like thought about either continuing Blink or starting up our own production company, and so he jumped in it with me, and that was. Uh, We'd finished the film about two weeks before he was diagnosed with glioma, which is a, a brain tumor. And so he was weakening in energy, but still, I just remember him um, during craft and breaks. He's like, he even said one night, he's like, ah, I'm feeling a little off, but I, have, um, I feel like it's my job to like, you know, bring up the energy and keep the morale and all that, which he, which he did uh, constantly. But I remember when, once we finished, and we were waiting for, uh, we were like the last people there. And we, I, we were, I think we were shooting in Falcom near Hamilton. I could be getting that, that the name wrong. But we uh, came, came back, delivered a bunch of gear to Matt Bendo's hallway. We had to wait for him in his underground for about three hours. Matt Bendo showed up. And I guess it was his sister's house, which he was storing a bunch of gear. And she wouldn't answer the door. And we had a... I don't know, like fifty thousand dollars worth of gear in this hallway, and Daly and I hadn't really slept for two weeks. Like we, we shot this in two weeks, and didn't sleep much. 
and in his underground, both of us in this like rented van when Bendo eventually like was able to show up because he was like, you know, wrapping up at the location. Uh, both of us, Daly's head was like on the, on the steering wheel, pass out of sleep. I was on the, you know, the side of the window, pass out of sleep. It's like four in the morning. And he's like knocking on his door. He's like, oh, I guess you guys can go. And we fucking beeline that other. It's like, sorry, man, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have to leave all your gear. Yeah. Here. Um, yeah. Not to say, uh, you know, crazy experiences in a, in a negative way. I feel like in film, like you just find yourself. <laughs> like the bigger the project, the bigger the crew, like there's moments when you step back and you think this is insane. Like there's so many things happening right now. And if you let it get into your head, like you could, yeah, but there's yeah. just like this, this thing that we can do as filmmakers that, we were able to just like have tunnel vision and just be like, I just want this one thing. I need to accomplish this one thing. There's a thousand other things happening, but I'm going to focus on that. I think that. you just get things, you just, you just get things done, whether yeah. it's your job or your title or, yeah. or whatever. I know the day before we went to camera, our, our AD dropped out. We lost our AD to a bigger, bigger gig. So like Logan's like, oh, I'm going to need you to like kind of help AD. Have I ever AD'd? I'd like, I, I, I did, I did, we, we all did a bunch of things we'd never done before because we had to do them. And I think that kind of brings everybody together and mm -hmm. you, you have to commit and nothing was really below anybody. And you just, you'd grab something, you'd, you'd kneel in the mud and make fake rain and be with everybody <laughs> to just make it happen. Yeah. Um, which, which is, which is great. And I think you need that to a certain, certain level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the magic you want in a crew, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is why I love making uh, things with you and, you know, why we made Blink Twice films. And so we, um, we have that, that creative liberty yep. to, to just make things that we, need, that we need to. It doesn't have to be for anything or anybody. Hopefully it, it resonates with a bunch of people, but it doesn't have to. I mean, it just gives us life really at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, why? Because, well, it just makes us feel it alive. It pulls you back in. Pulls you back in, <laughs> I know. You pass a, a, some trucks on the street and you see people shooting, you're like, ah, I miss it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Damn, but I man, you got, you got stories to tell. I'm reading uh, Just Kids by Patti Smith right now. I'm at the very beginning, but she's talking about how, like, you know, she sees things, life experiences differently, and she has a way to, like, one clock that and then kind of share that and try to translate it in one art form or another. And I think that's what we're trying to do through like the medium of film is take a feeling and, and try to express that. You know, we talked about like the social media dilemma and all that and how there's like a great disconnect. And, you know, we've, we've tried to touch on that, tried yeah. to touch on um, bringing awareness to that in dramatic ways, comedic ways, um, which is great. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts and wisdom. Damn straight. Thanks for having me, Pat. Mm -hmm.